Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. It's great to be here with you all this morning. Real quick, if you do me the pleasure, go ahead and pull out your bulletins. I want to keep you guys up to date with the happenings, the lifeblood, the DNA of NAPNAS, everything that's going on here. Because over the next couple weeks, the next few weeks, things are going to get a little bit, uh, Ben used the words hodgepodgey uh, over the next few weeks. So um, April 30th. Two weeks from now is going to be our Youth Sunday. It's a fifth Sunday, so it's Family Sunday. So there's no Sunday school from the ages of, I believe, second, first grade all the way up. And our youth will be leading the entire service. You do not want to miss that. It is a fantastic event. We did our first Youth Sunday last year. It was powerful. You don't want to miss that. But again, no Sunday school on that particular Sunday. And then the very following Sunday, May 7th, is Serve Sunday. And there won't be any service on May 7th, but we will be meeting here at 9 a.m. to then go out into the community and serve, do service projects such as picking up trash along the roads, picking up uh, branches and weeding and all sorts of different things. It will have both indoor and outdoor projects. You can sign up online. We are asking you, I am begging you, Please sign up online so that we can make sure that we have enough people in the right positions all throughout that Sunday. You can go to right, napnaz.church, right there on the homepage, you can sign up. Um, but then the day before Surf Sunday, May 6th, you'll see this in your bulletins, we have a women's event at 10 a.m., the all-daughter brunch. We, all of us, are uh, sons and daughters of, of our good God and that's a women event happening um, May 6th at 10 a.m. But then, this is not in your bulletin, for all the men, all the men happening at 5 p.m. then, there's an, a men's event. Um, we haven't had a men's event in quite some time, uh, but we have a few guys leading the charge on that. So in the evening, you can sign up both for the all-daughter brunch as well as the men's event out in the foyer. But hey, as we continue into our worship service, I just want to say how grateful and how thankful I am that we have a church that continues to bless, uh, both prayerfully as well as financially. And you can see the, the giving boxes in the back there, but God continues to do amazing and great things through our church because of the blessings that we continue to pour out back into what God has given us. So would you, would you go with me as we pray to God this morning? Father, we love you and we praise you. You have continued to lavish your blessings on us. And Father, we just ask that you would help us to not take that for granted. That we would not um, just think nothing of it. But God, that you would, you would help us to understand everything that you are doing and going to do. Lord, would you continue to prepare our hearts. Lord, be with my words. May they be your words as we walk through your word to dig deeper, to discover more of what you would have for us, your church, as you expand your kingdom and the good news of your kingdom all throughout this earth. Father, we love you. We praise you. It's through the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, we have just concluded a 
several month long series through the book of Luke. And now as we continue on, as Ben said, maybe some of you are thinking, well, what's next? What's coming up? Well, it's only appropriate that the very next week after we finish Luke that we continue maybe with the writing of Luke. So today we're going to be in the the book of Acts, chapter 2, starting in verse 42. This series that we're starting, the series that we're going to be going through all the way up through um, May, we're calling it Found Family. Now, before you start questioning, this isn't just another family series. This is a series talking about our next steps as the family of God, as the body of Christ. We went all the way through Luke. We were introduced to Jesus. We were introduced to our roles. So what are we, what are we doing now? What does this look like? What is our call as the family of Christ? And so as we jump into Acts chapter 2, we're going to be discussing and sharing and learning what it is to be in a family that is just a little bit dysfunctional. Because let's be honest, when we start bringing people from all over different ways of living, habits, personalities, and thinking styles, we are just a little bit a dysfunctional family. So what do we do then? What do we do? How do we stay united even when there is difficulty, even when there is pain, even when there are hardships and people have hurt one another and people are wondering how in the world can I get along with them? Well, we're going to discover that today in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. But before we get there, to help kind of bring context into this, I want to share a little bit about my own personal family. And with that being said, I want to share specifically about what it is to be a twin. Now, I know if you have been here for any duration of time, you've probably heard me share a story or talk about what it is to be a twin. Well, I'm not sorry for it. Because here's the, here's the fact, is that being a twin up to this point in time in my life, there really is no relationship that has formed me more as a human being than my twin. I mean, he's been there since, well, since the womb. So there's really no one else that I've been closer with, known better, or had more experiences with. In fact, that's not just the fun stuff. That's the painful things as well. Because if my twin and I, if there's no one greater, uh, had a, if there's no one who's had a greater impact than him in my life, it's both the fun things as well as Well, those times. Yeah, you know, those times. Jordan and I, Jordan, my twin, we know every insecurity. We know every trigger word. We know every single weak point in each other's lives. So yeah, we had, we had a lot of good moments, but man, there were a lot of bad times. Now, it wasn't all just physical altercations. In fact, uh, funny thing, we, both, we would both affirm this. Our last physical altercation, I mean, we were down on the ground wrestling, you could say, uh, was, was our freshman year, right before homecoming. I don't know why. It was not over a girl. It was not, Kelsey didn't come around until the next year. So we weren't fighting over it. But that was our last physical altercation. After that, though, we didn't need fists because we had words. And we just dug at each other. And we, I mean, we fought below the belt and with everything. And there were times that we, we just wanted to run away from each other. And we did. We would get so upset. And we would 
use that one word and be like, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm done with this. And we'd get on our bike and ride away really fast and out of a temper. But through all of that, and it wasn't just in high school, we've, we've had our times. Through all of that, Jordan and I, we've continued to grow closer and closer and closer. And I would argue that even now we are more united. We are closer together now than we ever were in the good times. Mainly because our parents kept on telling us, you're a blessing to each other, remember that. But you know what they were right? There were so many times growing up as a twin that, yeah, so many blessings, but it, it drives insecurity. And we were thinking to ourselves, man, I'm just done with this. I mean, we got to share all of our Christmas presents, all of our birthday presents. He's always there. There's never a point in time where I can escape this individual. But because of how we pursued one another, because when those times did come when he wasn't the enemy in my life, when we had mutual enemies, we were there for each other. We felt that pain with one another. Because our parents continued to push us closer together, remind us, yeah, we actually were a blessing for one another. Because of shared experiences, yeah, we fought. And yeah, we used words. But we continue to remain united because of everything else that surrounded it. And then I start thinking about our walks as Christians. You know, being a twin doesn't mean that me and Jordan are the only ones who were affected by another relationship in our life. Me and Jordan, Jordan and I, we're connected by DNA, by blood. But as Christians, that means nothing in comparison to what we are told connects each and every one of us. And when we start thinking about all of our interactions with one another, we recognize that we too are a dysfunctional family. We have caused pain. We have felt the pain. We have caused hurt. We have caused the hurt towards one another. How do we remain united friends? If you are here and you feel discouraged, if you feel hurt, if you feel let down, embittered, underrepresented, whatever you might be feeling, if you're thinking to yourself, I want justice, I demand justice. Friends, in this next chapter, in the sequel of Luke, in Acts chapter 2, we learn about different things. That when we practice them, when we pursue them, outside of the fights, outside of the bad times, they're the very things that we've just sang about. That keep the house standing on firm ground. And we're going to get to the, this, this point at the very end. But the fact remains is that, yes, the early church had miracles and had all of these things um, happening in it. But I would make this argument that even though the early church, back right when the apostles were, were around, even though the early church was characterized by miracles and wonders, I would make this argument that there is no greater miracle than the unity of of the body of Christ, from people, think about it, selfish, broken, hurt, sinful human beings coming together for the last 2,000 years under one mission. That, my friends, is a miracle. The fact that we can remain united even as a local 
body is a miracle. But how do we continue with that? What are our next steps? How do we remain united even when there is pain and difficulty? How do we remain united even when there's pain? This is the question we are asking ourselves today. Through all of the fighting, all of the arguments, below the belt fights, how do we remain united? Well, we are jumping in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. This is the very beginning of the church. And this is what we read. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, I, don't about, I don't know about you guys. I read this and it sounds like this weird cult-like utopia. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I would even want to be a part of that to begin with. It sounds like they've all been drinking the same Kool-Aid for a little bit too often of the time. But when we come right down to it, these are the people who set the stage, who set the precedent for all of us. For you and for me on what it looks like to have broken, sinful, selfish people all gathered together under one mission. To glorify God. To spread the good news about the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so when we read this, we have to begin thinking to ourselves, maybe this isn't just some weird caught thing going on, but maybe there is something to this because we learn at the beginning of Acts, if we went back further into chapter 2, if we went further ahead in chapter 2, we would understand that there were actually 3,000 people who were added. So first off, we had this small group of individuals, these 12 men and all of these women who had done ministry with Jesus. The 12 men who had caused pain and, and fought and bickered and argued. Now they're the ones who are there supposed to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ together. Radically different people. When all of a sudden now we go from the 12 plus to now 3,000 people in a day. 3,000 people have now gathered under one area. And friends, this isn't like walking, saying 3,000 people then walked into a church in which it was already established. This is 3,000 people brand spanking new to the faith of Jesus Christ. There's no program. There's no policy. There's no catechism. There's no, there's no five-step way to say, okay, now that you're a Christian, here's what we're doing. Everyone get on track now. This was 3,000 people hearing something brand new, radical, and now they're supposed to come together, unified under one thing. These are 3,000 people all over Europe. Asia, Africa, different habits, personalities, culture differences. And they are coming together under one mission. There's no Bible. There's no Bible to pick up and say, okay, here we go. We're going to start in Genesis today. We're going to systematically walk our way through. No, this is brand new radical stuff being taught to these individuals who thought they knew what the answer was, but now they've been told, you've had it wrong the entire time. So now as we continue, we realize 
we realize that there had to be something that drew them to one another. Something that drew them close. So real quick, it's not up on the slides, but we started in verse 42. Go back to verse 37 real quick if you have your Bibles. And we see this, these words. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. When the people heard this, Peter, the chief apostle, if you will, he had just given this long sermon about the life of Jesus and then the death of Jesus and then how he was raised back from the dead. Peter just gave this long sermon and the people hearing it were cut to the heart. And all of a sudden we realize that it's this gospel, the gospel of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that then brings these people together. The blood of Jesus because of their sin. It was them, they, who put Jesus on the cross. And when they hear this now, they are cut to the heart. So instead of thinking of all the differences and and personality differentials, they then cast aside their preferences, opinions, disagreements, the pain that they've caused one another, and they devote themselves to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's what we read in verse 42. The four things, there are four things that these new believers devote themselves to. Four things that then are more prescriptive so that when the bad times do come they can fight against it but if we aren't taking advantage if we aren't pursuing these four things when only there are good times then we're missing everything because eventually it does rain eventually sleet and snow and wind and lightning it all comes but if we haven't been building the house when it's sunny Then when the storm comes, then we're left lingering in our bitterness, our disunity, our pain. So these are the four things that we then learn about. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The first thing. First and foremost. So, work with me here. This is the analogy that we're going to go with. And I know that it's a little bit different than the reading that Ben had today. I'm not anti-scripture. I'm just changing for the analogy for the sake of it. So work with me here. The very foundation of it all, the very foundation of it all that we learn is that they are working on the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what unites them. This is what they have been cut to the heart with. And then the very first thing that we we learn that they devote themselves to is the apostles' teaching. They need to know more about who Jesus is. When Jesus himself was raised to life, he then goes back and walks them through all of the Old Testament of the Bible to show exactly who he was and how he fulfilled everything. And so here we have these new believers. And they say, okay, before we do anything, before we know anything, they're looking at the apostles and they're saying, you know Jesus. We need to know Jesus. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, For us today, in modern language, it's this. It's this. It's Sunday school. It's Bible studies. There is nothing that should come before us learning about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's more than just a few pages of the New Testament. What's beautiful about this is that Jesus can be seen and pointed to all throughout the Bible. And this is what they were doing. They were telling the apostles, 
teach us. We want to know more. They weren't saying, well, you know, we didn't get the privilege of walking with Jesus for three years, so we're just going to trust you. No. They wanted to discern it for themselves. They wanted to be shown the pathway to see that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all things. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. If we aren't discovering Jesus through the teachings of the word, then we aren't discovering the love of God. When we become more concerned with programs and policies and events before the teachings of Jesus, then we lose our primary love. It all begins with the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of the apostles. This is how we got our Bible. But then we continue. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship. I'll be honest with you. This is where I have failed. Big time. Because now that it's been just about two years since I graduated from seminary, I am just now, to my own shame, learning that it's not simply about knowledge. See, I came in as this young pastor straight from seminary. I was full of head knowledge and academia, and I'm like, this is how we become better Christians. If we just hit people with the word, that's all they need. But we see here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Yes, Bible. We need that. Amen. Absolutely. But they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to relationships. They devoted themselves to pursuing one another. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm an introvert. I, I get drained from being, am I allowed to say that as I'm up here? I actually get drained Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. Oh, man, as much as I love my job, holy cow, the two days of the week that it, I'm, I'm supposed to be at my top, I get drained so quick. And so all of a sudden, and Ben can attest to this one, I like to bunker down in my cave of an office, and I just got my Bible there, and I'm studying, and all the time I'm missing it. Because if we're not building relationships with one another, we're not devoting ourselves to a crucial entity of the house of unity. We need one another. We need to build relationships. And man, I have failed. And I'm thankful that there are people in my life who come to me and they say, Justin, you're missing it. It is a stab to the heart. But I'm thankful that I have those people in my life. Ben considers himself a little right there in the right there in the side. Come on, man. You got the gotta get relationships. Come on. Come on. Not just Ben, there are others, and you know who you are. Pushing me out of my comfort zone. Apostles teaching. Yes. Amen. We need the word, but we need each other. We need that fellowship. But it goes beyond simply fellowship. It goes beyond simply the Sunday morning experience. Yes, this is fellowship. We say, hi, good morning, good to meet you. Yes and amen. But here's what it also continues then. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and then to the breaking of bread. So if this is fellowship, friends, then there's a whole nother level to relationship building. Now, it may be over dinner. It may be sharing communion. It may be simply 
a shared experience. Because all of a sudden we've increased the level of intimacy that then the, the believers were devoting themselves to. Apostles teaching, yes, study of the word, fellowship, that Sunday morning gathering, that corporate gathering of saying, yes, I'm going to worship with my Christians today. But then there is those intimate times where you share that experience with someone. Because when you share an experience with someone, good, bad, or ugly, your relationship with that person is on a whole new level. When you begin to be vulnerable with somebody, when you begin to express your insecurities, when you begin to share those really high moments of your life with somebody, all of a sudden you become interwoven. Your lives are like intertwined. And what's beautiful about this is that when we do this with other Christians, it's not just two people or two parties involved. It's us taking Jesus, God, our Father, and the Holy Spirit right in between it. And all of a sudden we got three strands woven together. And all of a sudden, we, we learn in Ecclesiastes, the book of the Old Testament, and it says, a strand of three, who can separate? A cord of three, who can separate? These shared experiences, you cannot undo those. We need those in our life. Fellowship, yes and amen. Sunday morning gatherings, amen. But there's got to be something more. You can't have one without the other. Otherwise, the storm continues to come. The apostles' teaching, yes, word. We need to know. We need to increase in our knowledge. We need to build up the relationships, making an environment that is suitable and appropriate for everybody around us. And then we need to share experiences with one another. We don't stay united because we come to the same church. We stay united because we find others to share our lives with. And all of a sudden we see the last thing. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. To pray for one another. To pray for the united hearts. To pray for the needs of someone who has hurt you. To pray for the heart of someone who has caused you pain. And then more than that, not that their hearts would be changed. Because anyone can do that. Lord, change the way they act around me. Anybody can do that. To pray for your heart to be changed so that you can love that person who has caused you pain and hurt. That's where change happens. That's what brings unity. Simply praying for someone else to change their behavior, anybody can do. That's not going to bring any unity. Because unity begins here. With me. With me. Unity begins when I begin to look at someone that I want to cut all ties with. And I recognize that we are better together than apart. I mean, think about it. We need to start thinking about ourselves as if we are a body. I mean, it says here that all believers were together and had everything in common. So when we pray, we're not trying to align someone to our heart. 
We've got to begin thinking about us as a whole. How can I come on into this body? I'm not an individual. I'm not solo. I'm doing this with all of you. And you're doing it with all of one another. We're in this together. Our prayers should be for ourselves and the other person. Prayer is that spiritual life medicine that cures us. Sometimes it takes a little bit. Sometimes it takes a little bit. And it's painful. And it drains us. It takes time and effort and work. I think about, I think about people who are walking through cancer. And sometimes that the chemo that they walk through, it seems to be killing the person more than the cancer is killing the person. But it's the chemo that ends up healing. And sometimes prayer, as we are praying for ourselves to be healed, Lord, remove the bitterness. Lord, remove my, my, my pain and my hurt so that I can love on this person. Sometimes that prayer, it, I need to die to myself before I can begin to love the other. And it's only by the grace and power of God that we begin to experience that. And we see then, and it continues, and it says, and they had everything in common. Now, I'm not, let's think about this for a second. They had every, everything, and we're talking 3,000 plus people all gathering together in a moment's notice. And they have everything in common. They do everything the same. They, they never have a difference of opinion. Hold on. Is Luke really telling us that every single aspect of who they are, we're in agreement? I don't think so. But I'm also not saying that the Bible is full of errors either. So we got to think about what is actually being said. Because if we believe that the Bible is inspired by the word of God, by God himself, then what is Luke saying here when, he, when they say they had everything in common? Well, I think, here, I want to use this analogy to help us out here. We are told that as the church, we are the body of Christ. And this, I, this helps me. I hope it helps you. All of a sudden, if we begin thinking of the church as the body of Christ, we then begin to understand, wait a minute. The feet and the hands, they do not do the same things. The mouth and the ears, they do not do the same things. All of a sudden, there's a difference in what they are going for. And sometimes, sometimes what one part of the body does actually hurts the other part of the body. We've all done it. We've all walked and stubbed our toes and we just want to start hacking at our foot. And how could you do that? Because now the rest of us is in pain. Or we're cutting some food and we're chopping and dicing. And the right hand now has cut the left hand. Now, if we begin to think about this, ourselves as the body, some of us are the right hand, some of us are the left hand. We hurt each other. We cause pain for one another. Does that mean that all of a sudden we weren't in agreement or that we weren't um, doing the same thing or had the same? Absolutely not. But we do do different things. And we do cause pain. But because everything is in common with the body, there is one common goal, one mission. To go and walk and progress and grow healthily. All of a sudden then, when the right hand cuts off the left thumb, the left hand doesn't grab a knife and start hacking at the right hand. Because we understand that when the right hand accidentally causes harm to the left hand, 
then something must be done. The right hand and left hand then come together to heal the left hand. And the left hand says, okay, I recognize that in order for me to do what I want to the fullest extent, I actually need the right hand. It's doing things differently than me, but I actually need the right hand for the whole body to live into its fullest potential. All things in common, all things in common because they've been pursuing the same things, the apostles' teachings, fellowship, shared experiences, and prayer to expand and expound upon and spread the good news of the gospel. But friends, we are a large dysfunctional family that know the insecurities, that know the weaknesses, that know where to hit, know where to sock them. And when that time comes, our job is not to cut off the other hand. We might think in that moment, as the left hand being cut, I'm done with that right hand, see ya. And in the short term, we're thinking, I want nothing to do with them. But if we've been pursuing these same routes, if we've been pursuing the apostles' teachings, if we've been pursuing fellowship and shared experiences, when that time comes, we actually know them more than we think we do. Yes, we want to lose our temper on them, but we know that their heart was behind it, that there was something there. And let us not forget, the entire time, we are standing on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's what that means for each and every one of us. Yes, someone may have hurt you, but friends, I promise you this, you have hurt someone. I have hurt someone. I've hurt a lot of people. Let's be honest, we've all hurt a lot of people. And praise God that within this local body, we aren't just hacking each other's off, saying, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. But we've been united. So what is our next step after finishing the series of Luke? What is our next step in, in living out our role as Christians? First and foremost, it is caring for one another through the devotion of these four pillars. Jordan and I fought, and we fought hard, and sometimes we were just outright mean to each other. But we knew how much better we were together. We played doubles tennis together. And let me tell you, if there's a point in time that we got mad at each other, it was on the tennis court. But there's no way that we could achieve anything playing doubles tennis if we decided, I don't need you anymore. We needed one Another. And let me tell you, we lost our matches when we couldn't come together. When we saw the mistakes of the other and that's all we could think about, that's when we lost. The minute we were able to move on and say, hey, that was okay. It was a mistake. Yeah, you did that. But let's go. Let's go. That's when we won. It's the same with us, friends. The apostles' teachings, fellowship, shared experiences, and prayer. And we go on to verse 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Friends, we all have decisions. When we pursue the four things, the five things that we just talked about, we are setting ourselves up for easier decision making though. We all have that decision. 
how we enter into this building, how we enter into group gatherings. We can either come in with our embittered hearts, our pain-struck hearts, being hurt, and we can say, I demand justice, and we come in with these critical mindsets, or based on what we've been pursuing and devoting ourselves to, we can come and recognize just how incredibly blessed we are. And when we recognize how blessed we are, the decision to come in with glad and sincere hearts, even when the other person is across the room and they have hurt you, it is that much easier to praise God. I mean, let's be honest. How incredibly difficult is it to come in here knowing that someone has hurt you and still praise God? It's almost impossible. But when we decide that we're going to pursue these five things, the foundation, the walls, the roof of the house of unity, then all of a sudden when we come in here, we can come in here with a sincere heart and say, God, you are good. And yes, I need help right now because I'm a little bit angry, but I know you're good. And I know you're working something out. And I need you in this moment. Verses 46 and 47 show us that when we pursue these things, we then share favor. Not because we're all getting along all the time and it's all happy-go-lucky, but because we share the favor because we know there is something greater than someone's mistakes or hurts or pain. But if we allow the pains and hurts to stand before us, that's up to us. So again, we continue to put the gospel before us. We remember that it was the gospel and that Jesus did not demand justice. He did not demand right treatment. He went to the cross willingly. He walked there of his own accord. And we are told that God wants for us to be like Jesus. So here we have it. Building the house of unity. To recap, building the house of unity. Our foundation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. May it ever be before us. If we can't remember that it was our sins that put Christ on the cross, then we will never remember the need for compassion and love towards our brothers and sisters. Your sin, my sin. None of us are deserving of any grace. And so the fact that we've been shown grace is all the more reason that we show others grace. The walls of knowledge. So help Work with me here. Think of, I need everyone to do this, a little exercise. Imagine you're drawing on a blank sheet of paper just this little 2D house. You have the foundation, the gospel. And then on top of this, you have two, house, you have two walls that, that are going up. The walls of fellowship. The walls of the apostles' teachings. They need to be standing. You cannot have simply knowledge and no relationship. We need both. And all of a sudden you have the roof. Shared experiences and prayer. When we put the shared experiences and prayer on top, we are putting the needs, the wants, the hearts of all of those around us before us. We can't simply wait to start praying when the storm is coming. We need to be praying, establishing the roof on top of the house before the rain comes. But if we think, oh, we're good, the sun's still shining, we're good, and we live in this denial that we actually need to be praying for ourselves and for the hearts of others. We need to be building the house of unity before the storm comes. And friends, when the house of God remains united, it then stands as a testament to others around us. Look what it says. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
we all know a lot of garbage in each other's lives. And we're imperfect people. So there are people in this room, there are people that I know that know trash about me. I know garbage about some of you. And we can look at people and say, they hurt that person, they hurt that person, they hurt that person. Friends, if we are not building the house of unity, then we are not a walking testament of God's glory to the rest of the world. And I would say this, when the world sees a house of unity built with broken, selfish, hurt, sinful people, the world sees the work and glory of a good, good God. When the world sees, hey, I know that that person hurt that person, and I know that that person hurt that person, and they see those people united, having forgiven one another, having trust reestablished, all of a sudden they're looking at a house of unity saying, how in the world could they possibly be in that together? Because there is something deeper that connects us. Friends, yes, me and Jordan, we got DNA, we got blood. But you and I, you and you, so-and-so and so-and-so, we've got the Holy Spirit reigning in and through us. We've got a lot of garbage. We've got a lot of trash. We've got a lot of pain, sin, selfish things that have taken place all throughout this room. Amen? But we've got something greater that connects us. And when we stay united, when we pursue these five things, gospel, teachings, fellowship, shared experiences, and prayer, the world sees. And the world gives glory. We are a walking testament. And the Lord, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. It's not us. It's not you. It's not me. It's not Ben. It's not Sarah. It's the Lord. The Lord who does the work. For whatever reason, he continues to bless this church, Napnas, for the last 50 some odd years. How will we continue the heritage of pursuing this. We're going to sing Graves in the Gardens. Recognizing, giving glory, giving praise, and understanding that it's God and only God who transforms, who changes. Will you build your house of unity this week? So would you stand? And I'd like to pray for us before we go into worship. Father, go before us. Father, we love you. We praise you. God, Change our hearts. Change our eyes. Lord, would you help us experience you in a way that only you can do. Move our hearts to be unified with our brothers and sisters. Move our hearts so that we can experience your goodness and your power. Father, we love you and we praise you. Continue to unite us through your Holy Spirit all on the foundation of your son, Jesus. Amen. When I search the world 
but it couldn't fill me. And man's empty praise and treasures of faith are never enough. Then you came along. You put me back together. Every desire is now satisfied. We're here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. And I'm not afraid. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Always tell me. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Things new, come on. You turn morning to dancing. You get beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the
would you be the architect to the house of unity that we represent for your glory. Lord, go before us. Break down the walls that need to come down and help us build up the walls that need to be put in place. We love you. We praise you. And it's all to your glory that we remain united. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's children say, amen. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Build on the house of unity. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.